The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I'm Neil Zacharias, and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. Asha Brown is the founder and CEO of Pollution Studios, a digital content agency specializing in telling stories across a wide variety of platforms. From filming and producing videos in their warehouse studio in downtown LA, to doing agency work with social media and influencer relations, Pollution exists as a full-service answer to the modern media landscape. I recently got to speak with Asha at Pollution Studios and see where all the magic happens firsthand. While you might not be familiar with the name Pollution, there's a good chance you've seen a music video they've produced or a campaign for a plant-based food company like Follow Your Heart, Veggie Grill, or Beyond Meat. Coming from the media world, I love nothing more than getting to sit down and pick the brain of someone like Asher, who has made their career finding interesting and creative ways to help brands tell their stories. In this conversation, we get into how Asher built pollution from the ground up and talk about the important role different types of media play in engaging today's consumer. He speaks to the best strategies brands can use to build a following and develop their unique story. We also get into Asher's work in activism, such as the Switch for Good campaign, which was made in collaboration with Olympian Dotsi Bausch, that served as a public response to the Got Milk campaign, promoting the idea that top athletes don't need to consume dairy to be strong. Asha also talks about social media and the best practices we could all use to better our messaging and dives into future trends for marketing that can help amplify the reach of plant-based brands. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with Asher and hope you walk away with as many insights and key marketing takeaways as I did. Asher Brown, thank you for joining us on the Eat for the Planet podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. Thank you for the tour of your beautiful facility out here. It looks like you've got some uh, really interesting projects going on. Uh, interesting to say the least, but um, you know, I've I've been very seeing the work that you've been doing, and I'm sure anyone listening to this has probably seen um, the work that Pollution Studios does without even knowing you guys are involved. Um, but for over the past one year, I've I've really been tracking you're involved in in the space. A lot of um, folks have had on the podcast before have mentioned that a lot of their media, video work, or social media was being done by this amazing little. Uh, not so little agency in uh, in Los Angeles. So um, I've been kind of, this has been a long time coming, but I'm finally glad I'm here and uh, we're going to have a fun little chat. Yeah, thanks for coming down. So um, 
you know, for those that don't know much about what you do, um, let's just kind of go back to the beginning. Like, where did the beginnings of like Asher Brown as a video director, um, video production person, how did those, how did the early days start for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it depends on how far back you want to go. Um, I was pre-med in philosophy in school and uh, somehow ended up in a film production class and, and realized that I love telling stories. So I uh, drove out to L.A. Uh, with a couple of trips in the middle and started working in film. Uh, and I wanted to get on film sets as quickly as I could. So I got into the lighting union pretty young and had this amazing group of peers who were working on big shows by day and creating our own things by night. And uh, somewhere along the way, we had the idea, uh, what if we had our own space? Mm -hmm. uh, I think I was, I was living at the, the beach at the time. And, <laughs> uh, took, a, took a trip to Israel, ended up sitting in the snow with a rabbi, drinking a beer and um, thinking, well, what, what am I doing? You know, if, I'm, if I want to tell stories, what am I doing to fulfill that? And uh, three weeks later, I was living in a warehouse and opened a production company. Wow, that sounds pretty simple. But, uh, and so, so your initial years, so this is, you've been at this facility now, you said 10 years. So yeah. how did, like, what, what kind of work were you getting in the beginning? Because, you know, the reason I bring that up is we have a lot of um, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial minded people listening in who, as much as they love the the why and the mission part of why people do what they do, especially people I get on this podcast, and we'll get to all of that. Um, it's a blend of that with uh, how did you go about doing it? Because, you know, there's a million plus passionate people out there who believe in a lot of things. Um, very few actually go out there and create things on their own. And it takes either a lot of guts, uh, stupidity, uh, creativity, or all of the above to to make that leap. And so what would you say was yours? Like, did you, was it a strategized plan? Did you sit down and after yeah. hanging out with the rabbi and make a business strategy? Or was it just, did it just naturally flow from there? Yeah, I think for me, the big thing was intention. Mm. And um, I think in LA, especially in being surrounded by so many artists, there's this myth that you just let the world happen to you. And if you open yourself up, things will take you where things want to take you. And uh, I don't really think that's been effective for me in my life. Mm -hmm. I think it's been much more about making conscious decisions and trying to work towards that. So um, I was living at the beach. Uh, I was working on... When you say at the beach, do you yeah. literally mean at the beach? Yeah, or did you have an apartment near the beach? I was Man Manhattan Beach. Um, I was a block from the water. Um, you could see the ocean from my okay. parking spot. It was like it was, it was an amazing life. And I, I was working on um, CSI New York as a lighting tech. Oh, okay, great. So that so you were here on work uh, because I got a completely different impression when you said I was living at the beach. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was working you know, three days a week. Uh -huh. you know, I was like early twenties and. When you're not working, you're barbecuing, you're biking, yeah. and, and it was one of the best periods of my life. Mm -hmm. I, had, I really enjoyed myself, but the things that I was doing in my spare time were much more rewarding to mm -hmm. me than what I was doing day to day. You know, I, I loved producing, and when I wasn't working or barbecuing, we would get together and we'd say, let's shoot something. Uh, but there were always these barriers to doing mm -hmm. it. 
you know, you're, you're sitting there watching the surf and you're like, oh, I have an idea for a thing. It's like, well, I need, I can't just have an idea. I need to find a place to shoot. I need to find equipment. I need to find crew. Uh, and by the time you're going through that list of needs, you've lost all the excitement you have for the project. And so the side hustle stays on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, well, what if I treated this part of my life as intentionally as I treat a film production? Mm-hmm. You know, what is the goal? You know, am I shooting these things because it's fun and someday I won't shoot them anymore? In which case, you know, what am I trying to do? Am I shooting these things because this is my passion? Um, and if, if that's the case, then I should really be starting at where I want to be and working backwards. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought about going to film school. I thought about trying to raise money for a feature. Uh, but it, it felt much more interesting to move into a warehouse uh, turn it into a, a film studio mm-hmm. and just start shooting. Wow. Okay. So you just like a leap of faith. You decided that just made the most sense for you. You were following, I guess you're following your intuition. You set the intent and then you went out there and, and kind of did it. And obviously it didn't seem like it was, you really had a five-year plan or any such thing. <laughs> no, no. I had some general ideas, but mm-hmm. but even, even now uh, the, the content landscape changes so quickly that mm-hmm. I don't even think they've invented the apps that I'll probably be working on in five yeah. years. Uh, but but it was nice. I had a I had a day job and I was working on TV shows, so there was money coming in. And mm-hmm. uh, five of us moved into this building, and we paid rent, and that sort of covered that initial period of we don't have any clients and we don't know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually, we started getting clients and I started taking fewer and fewer jobs. And, and then at some point it's like, Oh, I don't really do lighting work anymore. <laughs> and so the clients, um, so how did that, when did, at what point did you think you had a real business? Like in terms of timing from the point where you moved into the warehouse and said, let's just maybe do this to the point where you were no longer doing lighting work. How long did that take? Yeah. So, so um, there were a few steps along the way. I think the first big step for me was, being able to hire somebody mm. like that was, oh, like yeah. <laughs> I, I had employees before I quit my other job. Oh, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's such a key point, right? You know, you can pay for someone else's salary. You're probably doing okay. Yeah. Like that was like, I, I just don't want to be doing the, mm-hmm. you know, the, whatever the bookkeeping, the, the day to day, having somebody you can call up and say, I need help with this thing. Yeah. Um, so that, that was always been a priority is growth over, but but that that was a milestone. Um, being able to move out was a milestone that I, I no no I no longer need to pay rent to myself <laughs> to afford this giant building, um, and I also no longer need to be twenty four hours a day mm-hmm. doing what I'm doing. You know, when you live in the place where you work, yeah, uh, you're never not on call. <laughs> yeah, and and it's great for a startup. I, I highly recommend it. But uh, the day I moved to a house with some trees. And how many years did that take? So it took um, about a year to move out. Uh Um, That's pretty quick. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, uh, about a year and a half till we had our first employee, Mm. uh, two years till our second employee. Um, And then uh, the pollution business is, it's actually three businesses connected together. Uh, We we call ourselves a a content agency, but uh, content factory is probably more like it um we we can get more into this but the the goal is how do you mass produce Mm. stories 
across any mediums for mm -hmm. any platform with any content. So it's really, it's a toolbox. So the, the base layer is the studio. Uh, we have a 30,000 square foot complex with three stages, uh, grip and lighting, rental house, uh, set building shop, production offices. So just, just kind of getting that to the place where we weren't building walls on the weekends and mm -hmm. installing electrical and you know, having couches that are nice enough to bring clients in. You know, that, that took five years. Wow. Uh, just, you, know, you make a couple of dollars, you buy a couch, you mm -hmm. make a couple more dollars, you paint that wall you mean to paint. Uh, and then the, the next layer is the production company. Mm. So it's people coming in and saying, here's exactly what I want. Can you shoot that for me? And, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're producing things all along the way, starting with music videos. But uh, as in anything, you know, the first thing you're producing is for your buddies. Mm. The next thing you're producing is for a band that has, you know, 500 bucks. And, mm. you know, and the, the day that you're actually getting paid for something is a, is a good day. But, but you know, everybody, everybody wants to see that you've done the thing that they're doing before they want to hire you for it. Of course, yeah. So, so it took, you know, as we're building the physical space, Mm -hmm. We're also building the real, and um, also learning what we're doing along the way. Mm -hmm. like I, I definitely, you know, I, I've worked on TV shows, so I had some really great people that I could watch, but um, nobody taught me how to make a, a commercial or do a YouTube video. And and for some of these things, uh, I don't think anybody actually knew until <laughs> until, until it done. came out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that that took that took another few years, and then the the agency level is sort of the top piece and uh that came about uh because we were being hired by clients to shoot really big campaigns uh they were taking those campaigns putting them on their youtube channel putting them online with small ad buys behind them mm -hmm. and nobody was seeing them because who goes and sees these brand youtube channels yeah. and so from a production company standpoint it was very successful you gave us money we made something great wash our hands, yeah. see on the next one. But from a, a client service perspective, we were not doing them right. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they weren't just hiring us to make something. They were hiring us to, to show eyeballs to, as well, yeah, to yeah. show it to people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's that you need the story, but mm -hmm. nobody hears the story. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, we've developed this agency level on top where we have a PR team and we have a huge network of influencers that we work with and, we do social media consulting and um, some clients don't need that because mm. they have their agency, they have their in-house team, but some clients, you know, we sit down and we say, well, who's going to see this? And they mm. go, oh, oh, we should think of that. And, <laughs> and if you think about it before you shoot it, it's mm -hmm. much easier than mm -hmm. if you think about it after. Yeah. Uh, so that was sort of the last piece um, until I could say, oh, we're now a fully fledged company. And, and um, you know, that was you know, a couple of years ago. So, wow. So in a way, we've been around for 10 years. In another way, I feel like I'm running a startup. <laughs> no, because you, I mean, I, you're speaking my language, obviously, because I, I've worked most of my career in, in media and in the last few years been doing, I guess, media content and storytelling in my own way uh, in, in the food space uh, driven by the cause that, that I and you share. We'll get into that in, the bit, in a bit. But um, it's interesting to see that... Uh, so I guess what I'd love, what would be interesting to know about is when did you notice that social uh, was really changing, you know, where content 
was going to be sh- spread and by virtue of social being its own medium what content as well because it changed yeah. it changed the what as well not just the what yeah. yeah so i think i was very fortunate coming up through music videos mm. um in the old days if you know you get a million dollars to do one track and most bands wouldn't get music videos they get one video and um right right when i started producing the internet opened everything up so that any band could have music videos uh which was very democratic but it also meant that instead of worrying about one single you're worrying about 10 videos and mm. and it's not just the videos it's the behind the scenes and it's how are you communicating with your fans and and i think musicians get this better than anybody um uh, and i i realized very quickly that there isn't really an intrinsic difference between a musician and a a burger company mm. you know it's it's brands and its stories and you're giving people something that makes their lives better and sometimes they know it's going to make their life better and then it's really easy and sometimes you have to help show them and uh, so i've worked with some amazing musicians who are spending all of their time creating content and and i i realized very quickly that uh the big music video is what gets the focus mm. but it's actually the long tail of content it's the tweeting behind the scenes of the video it's the short clips of additional material it's <laughs> you know the fans commenting on the youtube and yeah. people responding to them you know it's about these communities that you're creating and uh these communities are incredible amazing things but they take huge amounts of time and content and so uh we were i realized very quickly that somebody is going to have to create that content mm-hmm. and that person has to understand every single thing that's going on from the big commercial to the person responding to the twitter comments mm-hmm. and if it's not all connected then you're you're wasting your time and every every single team on every single department has to be buying into the same story right because you don't you don't get the money to everybody do their own thing mm-hmm. you have to really work together yeah i've never heard someone bring in the the comparison you give to do to, to bands and and musicians as being the first actually the first ones who did uh, go and do much do a lot in social before traditional corporations and other brands got involved um I often give bands and musicians as an example and that's maybe because of my own bias I used to play in a band when I was mm-hmm. in in law school and I think that was my first entrepreneurial experience I have talked about that in this podcast is that so many similar lessons can be learned because you're just you're trying to build an audience you're trying to engage with them you're trying to uh keep providing them something of value uh, besides the songs on top of that and you know I'm talking about my band but as a fan of bands as well um i would have my favorite brands i would join their fan clubs and then you want every little piece of information that can be produced about yeah. them and this was even pre social obviously yeah. um and they'll send you like the band magazine and yeah. there'll be a letter from the so it was all content creation but to to tell the stories of the of the you know characters but the really the members of the band um and and keep the fans kind of tuned yeah. in until the next tour until the next album yeah um and those so the same lessons you know they uh, when 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 you know first i guess it was mtv and and music videos but then uh when social hit it was just an, another medium so it's funny that you started off in um 
in music, really doing content for music. And, and we'll get to it in a bit, of course, and maybe this is a good segue into that. But uh, uh, before we, we started recording today, we were talking about the, the vegan food space and the plant-based food space and what's happening in the food industry now. Unlike other companies that have you know, populated that space over the last several decades, the difference between the new companies that, that we largely talk about and many of whom are your clients many of whom have been on the podcast before, they are almost like the modern day rock stars. I yeah. mean, they've got, um, because of the, you know, they stand for the, the mission behind their brands and their products and uh, they get passionate young people yeah. to support it. And then, you know, then you have the layer of influencers now. But anyway, yeah. I don't want to go too far down that, that train <laughs> of thought yet. But um, um before we get into how you got involved in doing work for food companies, um, what kind of uh, like verticals were you focused on? Did you have, uh, I know you did work with a lot of like baby companies and yeah. products in that space, but did you have any focus and, or were you getting whatever work came your way? Yeah. So, so it was a surprisingly easy pivot from musicians to babies. <laughs> uh, there's a lot, a lot of overlap, you know, sometimes you need a nap, sometimes you need a bottle, sometimes you need a timeout. Um, and so uh, we got into the baby space and uh, one, one of the reasons why we pushed in so aggressively was it was a, a space really open for disruption that um, everybody was focusing their attention on a few broadcast commercials. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a, a very crowded space. And we do work there, but every job we bid on, there are a lot of really qualified people bidding for that. Uh, but all of a sudden, these companies needed to be creating 10, 20, 50 times more content, and they had no idea how to do that. And they couldn't go to their commercial clients because they didn't understand the space and they, they couldn't, sorry, their commercial agencies, they didn't understand the space, they didn't understand how to work on smaller budgets. Um, obviously, having everything in-house mm -hmm. lets us um, achieve an economy of scale that when you're doing small Instagram videos, you have to have. Um, and so there was this really wide open opportunity and mm. uh, they needed quality content. They didn't know who to turn to and their bigger agencies weren't guarding the back door. Mm -hmm. So, so we got a lot of really great uh, baby clients from that. We had a lot of great uh, agency partnerships with bigger agencies who uh, just want to hand something off when they mm -hmm. don't understand how to work on the medium or how to work on the budget. Uh, from that, uh, we've done work in tech, uh, did a couple of documentaries, uh, did a feature film, uh, have a really amazing network of YouTubers and content creators. And, uh, in general, I look at pollution as a, a sandbox. Mm. You know, there are certain toys and tools that you'll need all the time. And so we have those here. Mm. But other, otherwise, every show is different. Every client is different. Uh, we, we can do a music video one day and a baby commercial the next and host a event for a nonprofit on the following. And, and it all, all pivots oh. very quickly, which puts a lot of stress on the people who mm -hmm. work for me. Uh, it's never the same thing twice. <laughs> uh, but you also get a really amazing creative type of person who wants to come in mm. and be a part of it. Uh, and uh, there are a few guidelines. Um, I wouldn't take a client if I didn't think people should buy 
their products. So no tobacco companies uh, turned down McDonald's. Oh. Uh, but but there, and once you kind of get past that, there are a lot of products that I think yeah. people should buy. And, um, that and, do add value to people's lives. Yeah. <laughs> and even, you know, we do a lot of things just for video game companies and that, mm-hmm. that adds value. Like right. I, I don't need to be puritanical about it. I just, mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to sell you a Big Mac because... <laughs> Um, first, I'm not the right person, and and second, I don't really think I should be putting more of that out in the world. Right. So, so let's get since you you know I guess the Big Mac's going to be the the segue into the next phase of what I want to get into. But what came first, um, your your own interest in in food and 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 vegan food, or did you have, get a client in, in that space? Um, yeah how did how did that how did you get involved with doing work for Beyond Meat and Veggie Girl and, and many yeah. others? Yeah, so so I've always been interested in food. Uh, in my family, food is love. So when someone cooks for you, they're showing love, and when you eat that food, you're showing love back. So, um, like many people, I have a very emotional relationship. Um, I stopped eating meat when I was nine. Wow. Um, but I was very very quiet about it, and I was the apologetic. Like, hey, I'm so sorry, I can't eat anything here at your restaurant. <laughs> uh, and then I went vegan. Um, it took a while for the, for the vegan. Uh, my sister, who was a, a vegan blogger at the time and now uh, works for a tech company, uh, she kind of pushed me and she said, well, why? What? You know, she went vegan, she said, why aren't you a vegan? And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't really think about it. <laughs> and then I thought about it and, like, oh, so then I was a vegan. Uh, but again, I was a, a quiet vegan, and um, growing up, I had all these preconceived notions about what a, a vegan was, um, which some were true, some aren't. Uh, and I, I was sort of content to, you know, live live that life. Um, at, currently, we're a meat-free studio. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, we don't, you know, I, I spend. We spend a lot of money every day on feeding everyone. Uh, I think that's incredibly important. Uh, but I don't want to spend that company money on mm-hmm. meat. Uh, but we I, we weren't always that way. I mm. There was a time when I was a vegan, but spending company money on uh-huh. on meat and not even like good meat, like the cheapest meat that you could find for for catering on film sets. And uh, so that that was very difficult for me. But I just assume that that was how life was to have that struggle. Um, and then uh, my sister was in LA and she was a Beyond Meat super fan and they invited her in. And I went I went down with her and I met their marketing team. And you know, my, my sister's a, a much better salesperson than I am. Uh, but she said, hey, my, my brother makes videos. He should, <laughs> he should help you. And, and they had a, a project and I collaborated on that. Um, and then, uh, this, this is how long it was, right when Instagram launched videos. It was uh, 15 seconds only. Mm. And uh, Beyond Meat uh, social team was small, uh, great people, but they were just starting out. And like, what mm-hmm. can we do to really uh, blow this up? And so uh, my team and I created this 15-second chef campaign where you're going to make a, a Beyond Meat recipe, but you only have 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. And the winner gets a lifetime supply of Beyond Meat. Wow. And uh, the competition was was incredible, and we had thousands of people entering. And um, as part of our deliverables, we made fifty videos with influencers. And 
Um, I was a, a casual Instagrammer up until that point. And then all of a sudden I fell into the vegan Instagram, uh, which if, if people aren't on vegan Instagram, I, I suggest you do it. Uh, there's this whole community of plant-based people mm-hmm. supporting each other, supporting each other's brands, talking about food. Uh, and I went from being one of two or three vegans that I knew to, to now I know millions and, <laughs> and it's really amazing. And I, I, you know, did not make as much money off the Beyond Meat campaign as I would off a Google campaign, but I felt really good. Mm. You know, I felt the same way I feel when we work with a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Is that the world is better yep. because we've made this content. And the people that I wanted to work with on this campaign, people who are very expensive when you want to hire them for branded things, the money didn't matter. They mm. said, I love the idea. I want to help. Mm-hmm. spread this message yes let's yeah. do something and uh it was like it was like the brakes were taken off and you're just so then you're just going fast and wow um and so so i i on a personal level got a lot of mm-hmm. really great um satisfaction out of it but i also on a professional level i understood that uh these plant-based companies are in the middle of a transition uh more so then but even so now we're in the old days, it was enough to just be nicer. It was enough to be like, "Hey, we're the we're the product that the good guys. <laughs> it makes you feel good." Yeah, uh, but but now we're not in that little mm-hmm. kiddie pool anymore. We're we're going global, yeah. and as part of being global, is you have to be you have to fight. Yeah. And and so I realized that all these skills that I learned working with these giant companies mm-hmm. and you know hiring people who could get jobs anywhere in the world and uh, these these cutting edge skills that you need to survive in the commercial agency world, nobody was bringing them to the plant based world, um, in part because at the time there wasn't any money in the plant based world, mm-hmm. and, and the bigger agencies there was nothing in it for them. Uh, so so that's when um, we started making a really big pivot, and I just called up all of the plant based companies that I knew or whose products I liked and. Um, I think in the past couple of years, I've created work for 50 or 60 plant-based brands, um, 40 or 50 animal and human rights nonprofits, um, pretty much everybody we've done something with on some level. Uh, and, and the more we do, the more connected we are and the mm-hmm. better our work gets. And, and, and you watch these companies that were, you know, just a couple of people in an office and now they're. Talking yeah. about global expansion plans. I know, and going public and, yeah. <laughs> and who knows what next. So um, is, is, so is the work you're doing now in food um, a big part of uh, what pollution does? Or like how does it fit into the, the bigger picture of what you've built over here? Yeah, yeah, it's all connected. Um, the, way, the way I think about it is um, if we were in the 1700s and we wanted to support a community we would build a printing press. Mm. Um, in the 1960s, we'd have a pirate radio station. Uh, in 2018, mm. 2019, you have a content studio. So, so I, I and my team are at the hub. We facilitate, we connect. A lot of the projects, especially in the plant-based food space, I take personal ownership over. Uh, but we're also, we're also just here to support. So we have brands that come in and, 
We're just here to help them make their products better. Uh, we have a lot of influencers who we just, you know, help them find funding, help them find brands, help them find connections. And it's really about this larger community. And, and because of that, sometimes the stories are uh, about gun safety and sometimes the stories are about uh, the importance of diversity. And uh, I don't, I don't, need to have each story be my story mm -hmm. as long as it's a story that's making the world better and it's a creator who i believe in yeah i mean at the end of the day i mean i've probably said this before i mean you say you're saying a lot of stuff that that i resonate with i mean i think it's uh, in the beginning especially in this space it was enough to have um a product that was, uh, you know, free of animal ingredients and to have a night, a packaging that looked green and, <laughs> and said, this is better for the world and better for you. Um, but we are now at the age where the success and the growth of this space, especially in the past five years has elevated these brands to a place where they're competing in the big leagues. And to the extent where other food companies, more established food companies are looking at these newer upstarts um, to learn the rules of uh, not just product formulation, but but also storytelling and marketing. Yeah. Because I think it all goes hand in hand. In the year mm -hmm. 2018, you can't be off selling any product without also being a content company. Right. But the problem is companies that are good at producing food are not in the business of producing content. Right. Um, and so, but a lot of them try, you know, they try, they hire an in-house social media team and, and I've, I've really felt this, and I've said this to many people in the last um, couple of years, is, especially, is that uh, there has to be a better model until I heard about pollution. And yeah, yeah. And, and I think, I, think I, I always do a lot of uh, reframing with clients, um, especially clients who come from more of a traditional advertising world mm -hmm. and maybe came with an intrinsic bias against social media. Uh, less, less now, but I've seen so much of it. And the, the way I try to reframe it for them is, 10, 20 years ago, if I said, I can get a list of 100,000 of your most loyal fans, and every time you have an ad, mm -hmm. I can make sure they see it right away. And not only that, but I can get them to make their own ads for you. Mm -hmm. you, you, would, you would say, oh my God, this is amazing. How, how do I get it? How much do I need to spend? And instead, because, oh, it's Instagram, it's Facebook, it's free, uh, these companies put their interns on it. Mm. Uh, and it's a, it's a missed opportunity, but it's also, it's your front door. You know, it's, it's the cover of your album. It's the first thing people see <laughs> when they hear about you. And if you're not building your brand every single day and it, it's not inherently different, you know, it's a story, mm -hmm. but instead of telling the story once in a commercial or once on a billboard, you're telling a little bit of the story every single day in a little piece. Yeah. Uh, which as a storyteller, it's very exciting. And, and that's what I love about working with all these influencers. You know, they're you know, putting out 10, 20, 30 pieces of content a day, showing a piece of their life. And individually, it's easy to dismiss it and say, oh, it's a picture of his sandwich or it's mm -hmm. a picture of her lifting weights to the gym. Like how, how fr frivolous. But you put that together and you get this really complex picture of somebody's life mm. uh, curated, but, but it's, it's here's me when I wake up and here's what I'm feeling and here's what I think about this. And uh, 
bring bring it back to the plant-based brands and really any any brand that is conscious or is entertaining uh the influencers who have opened their lives like that they can't then turn around and say hey buy this soap because mm-hmm. they're paying me money but if they say hey look i'm eating this thing you know that i believe in these values and this brand has these values the the uh value of that from a marketing perspective is incredible because there are 500 fans or 100,000 fans or a million fans who know this person's life mm. now see oh she's eating this product and i know she means it because it fits with everything mm-hmm. well i'm looking for guidance and i will take it from a youtuber before i'll take it from a textbook mm. and so so a lot of the work we do is with companies that are not as easy to explain why this is an emotional part of your life. <laughs> uh, and so working with these plant-based companies, yeah. it just feels so, so easy. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, you don't have to convince people to do it. You just have to make those connections and let them understand who you are. Yeah. So I know you do a lot of, um, you kind of act as the sort of outsourced social media team as well for a lot of these brands, but you also of course do, these one-off projects and videos. I was a couple of months back talking to, uh, who I'm sure you know well, Leah Smith from uh, Veggie yeah, Girl. she's amazing. Who heads marketing over there. And she was saying, you know, and that's, she, she has was the first one to actually tell me about pollution. And she she was saying, you know, it's, you know, we can just come up with any idea. And we were like, you know, maybe what's better for this is like a stop motion thing. And I, if I recall cor- correctly, that was the example. And, 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 but we were like, how are we going to do that? And, and you said, well, we've, we've got that. Yeah, we've got, we've got people, we've got props, we've got all that stuff. We can do that. And that, uh, for that to exist in, um, it really lit me up because it's for that to exist in this space, uh, which I definitely think needs, uh, and, you know, maybe we can talk more about that now in terms of, uh, I think for yours, you know, maybe your own personal story of being a silent vegan, right, is reflective of this problem uh, that existed um, with the word vegan and, the, and and what the identity of being vegan has meant for a lot of people. For the most part, I thought vegans were insane um, until I became one. And maybe I'm insane. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I, you know, it's just this whole, it comes with all this preconceived notions but most identities come with preconceived notions mm-hmm. because you know you've got your head has an idea of it the reality is completely different no two people are the same neither are two vegans mm-hmm. um but the the fact that you know this we do what i'm trying to say is that this space and, and the reason that got me really excited is that this space needs um needs some new life it needs new branding it needs a new story uh it needs uh, and it is becoming, and I'm not saying it's, it, it has been happening for the past many years. Um, it needs, it needs to be cool. It, it needs to, you know, yes, we believe in a, in a cause and we, we, we want to save animals. We want to save the world and improve people's health, but we, it, it has to be fun. Like it doesn't have to be depressing. And, and that's how you get more people to see this as being, you know, whether they go vegan or not, that's, yeah. that's irrespective. It's just, you know, if it helps them buy a product and think, well, that's that's cool. I'm eating a Beyond Burger, or I'm I'm eating a Veggie Grill, or whatever it is. Um, I think that's desperately needed, and the fact yeah. that you've got these two worlds meeting over here in yeah. pollution is really cool. Yeah, and I think the great thing is that's already happening. Um, all of these YouTubers and Instagrammers, they're already talking about why they eat plants, and mm. uh, 
I, I gave a, a talk uh, last year at the National Animal Rights Conference, and uh, it was basically it was yelling at everybody to get on Instagram. But but if you if you wanted to invent a tool to help promote the plant based movement, and you had unlimited resources, you would invent Instagram. Mm. And uh, my my personal story, you know, I was not that active. I was not didn't talk about it a lot. And I'd go in a restaurant and I'd apologize for not being able to eat anything there. Uh, and then I joined the vegan part of Instagram. And I you know, maybe like, you know, Al from Vegan Food Share and Tim, Vegan Fat Kid. And I would post something, you know, very, very basic. I had this burger mm-hmm. and it's vegan. And, you know, that's sort of the bare minimum that you could do and be an activist. But the line between not being an activist and being an activist is so huge. Mm. So it's my little my little baby steps into activism. Here's some vegan food. Let's normalize it. And everybody clicks like and they mm. comment, hey, great job. And they comment, that burger looks good. And now all of a sudden I feel like, oh, wow, maybe I should say more things. Mm. And I post more. And you see people who are just sort of dipping their toes into this world. And, you know, hey, you know, I'm 12 and I'm eating something plant-based today. And. Everybody jumps in and says, hey, that's great. We support you. And the biggest thing that was missing from our movement was community mm. because we're not based on any visible characteristics. We don't all live together. We don't all have the same cultural history. Uh, we were initially defined by what we don't do. Mm. Uh, you know, the vegan is the one who's sitting on the side eating kale. Uh, but now on this digital community, there are so many of us and it's reinforcing. And so these plant-based YouTubers and Instagrammers are doing incredible, incredible things and building incredible audiences. And the next step for them is to do things on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're doing as much as they can by themselves. And so one of the most exciting things that I get to do is to go to these incredible content creators who have been pushing this message for free for so long and say, hey, I have this brand and they have some money. And they don't want you to change your message at all. Mm. Can I help support you to tell your message louder? Mm. And, and I think that as those two things come together, we're going to get this really incredible acceleration in what's already been really amazing growth. And, and it's a thing that uh, nobody can match us on. You know, I do a lot with uh, plant-based uh, milks. Um, mm. I co-founded a dairy-free athlete nonprofit called Switch for Good. And when the big dairy companies want to connect, they have to spend a lot of money. Mm. And it's very clear that they are buying their communities. When we want to connect, we just connect. <laughs> and, and that movement is, is so powerful. And, mm. and it's something that so many marketing firms are trying to chase. Uh, but, but people, especially people of the social media generation, they want authenticity they want values they want to feel good about making their purchases Mm. and you can try to market that you can try to nudge that but by far the easiest is being able to say hey here's a burger if you buy this burger here's how you'll be better off the plan will be better off animals will be better off and here's all these really cool cool people who you see every day on social media, and they're making food decisions just like this. Yeah, and you know, yeah, influencers are the modern day talent, really. And it's, um, 
I mean, brands are already starting to do that, but in, again, in this space, it's just it's just easier and it's a no brainer. I mean, it's they they're already doing it as you said, and now they're getting to 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 make a living out of it as well. And and if you can be that bridge, you're you're playing a big role there. Uh, yeah. I do want to talk about Switch for Good since you mentioned it. Um, what is that, and like, yeah, how are you going to go about? being the anti-got milk really <laughs> yeah yeah so so switch switch for good is is my my baby um along with uh Dati Bausch mm. who's a, a vegan olympian a silver medalist in cycling uh earlier this year during the winter olympics the uh got milk campaign the, the dairy industry and the usda program uh ran a series of commercials showing Olympic athletes and saying at the end, nine out of 10 Olympic athletes grew up drinking cow's milk. And so Dotsy watching that on her couch, you know, threw her shoe at the television because that doesn't represent her. Mm -hmm. And there are so many athletes making the switch away from dairy and from animal products. Uh, many of them for ethical reasons, for environmental reasons, but, uh, many of them for performance reasons. Um, you look at Tom Brady, mm. you know, he doesn't drink dairy and it's not because he's a, a hippie. It's because his team of scientists have shown him the science of yep. why you will perform better. And so Dotsie came to me and we partnered with Effect Partners, an agency in Minnesota. And we started building this coalition. And the first thing we did is we shot a response commercial that we aired on NBC during the closing ceremonies saying, this is not representative of me. And you, you think that this is a health food because you've been told it's a health food, but mm -hmm. it's not. And we did that and we thought it was going to be a one-off. And then all these other athletes started reaching out and saying, I'm, I'm an athlete and I don't necessarily feel I have a vehicle to talk about this part of my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and, just just being able to say, look at all these big, strong athletes. This is what they eat. That That's it. We don't yeah. have to proselytize. We don't have to sell products. Uh, we're just normalizing. Yeah. And so the Switch for Good, the nonprofit, grew out of that. The collection of dairy-free athletes who want to talk about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and then pollution sort of acts again as that central hub. Mm -hmm. So we organized a Dairy-Free Athlete Summit with um, 100 athletes and doctors from around the world talking about, talking about the science, talking about the performance. Uh, but then we also brought in social media experts mm -hmm. and uh, public speaking experts and uh, people who could say, you know, if you're an athlete and you don't know how to work Instagram, here's how it works. Right. Um, if you want help with your Twitter storytelling. Here's how it works. Uh, so com again, combining those content creators who mm -hmm. uh, we work with every day with these athletes who have this incredible platform, but have not trained in using their, their voice in this way. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. I love, I mean, this, the, the, the dairy thing, it's, I think it's time has come. I mean, nothing pisses me off. You know, I'm normally not a very angry yeah. vegan, <laughs> but, uh, but dairy is one issue that really annoys me. I, I just, I just think it's lies. That's when I learned about dairy, it's just like, 
what i've been lied to my whole life yeah. this is completely unnecessary and then you know let's not even get into the, the how how dairy is produced and what happens there but um timing couldn't be better with game changers hopefully in the horizon yeah. very soon yeah. i'm sure you have some partnership or something planned yeah. with them and actually the director of our broadcast spot was louis Hoyos, who directed ah, game perfect. changers so. yeah this stuff is great. So, yeah, Game Changers, as I've said this before, and I had Charity Morgan uh, on oh, one of these episodes incredible. before. Yeah, and I think it's it's yeah it's gonna it's gonna bring about a a big big conversation mm-hmm. around this. And um, you know, there's a lot of people tackling the the meat problem, and but you can't leave out dairy. I mean, it is mm-hmm. at the end of the, it's one of those things that's you can make an argument that people you know love meat maybe um like the taste of it dairy with the exception of cheese is completely unnecessary i yeah. mean uh i'm not saying cheese is necessary yeah. but i can understand yeah. some people love the taste of cheese 65 percent of the world population is lactose, lactose intolerant or has dairy allergies and uh we, i did a, a series of videos with some uh doctors talking about this and they talked about their patients who just assume that it's normal to feel bad after a meal but that's that's just what eating is like. You eat, and then your stomach hurts for a while, and then you're okay. And and, and explaining to them, like, oh, no, this is just this thing that you can't yeah. digest, and it's not doing you any favors. Yeah. No, it's cool, and you get to work with the plant-based uh, milk brands that are already basically taking over the dairy aisle. Uh, and on the other hand, continue to spread this message Um it's crucial. Where do you think sort of all, um, where do you think, I mean, it must be a, it's going to be a, it's a very big question and probably tough to answer, but what's next in, in content creation and, and, and digital media? Um, like the problem, uh, let me, let me be lay out a problem and, and you can tell me how best you think this problem is going to be tackled is that, uh, part the, the positive thing about the space. And when I say the space, I mean the, the, the plant-based food industry and the changes that are happening in this movement as a result of more and more companies providing products that more and more consumers want, whether they're vegan or not, is that there's going to be a point where there's, you won't be able to differentiate between companies, which is why branding and storytelling is all important. And, you know, everyone's got their eyes on Instagram and influencers and, and people are maybe finally getting it that that's the way to communicate with their end users or consumers. Um, but you know, maybe they're missing out on opportunities. Like I always, I'm waiting to see like, uh, oh, this is just me maybe, but I'm open to hearing your ideas. Is like some sort of an animated scripted show that's done by a brand, maybe a new brand. And that's the way they go to market with it. It's like, uh, I in fact gave this idea to someone else who was working on a brand. brands. I'm sorry if you're actually <laughs> working on it. But, uh, but I was like, you know, if you, do something controversial, like create like a South Park, like a uh, mm-hmm. cartoon series and create characters and let people fall in love with the characters. And, and, and that's a way to introduce your brand is in, lead first with content. I mean, maybe it's a crazy idea, but I know it has been done. So what, what, what do you think is on the horizon in terms of completely out there, unique ways to, to wake consumers up and then get them to try interesting food? Yeah. So, so I think, I think the first piece of that is that, the great thing about content, the great thing about social media is that it's a decision every day on how you want to represent your company. So it really comes back to that broader story of who are you? What is your, what is your brand? What is your band? What differentiates you? Mm. So being forced to make those decisions, you know, somebody tweets this answer, how does our company respond? Like if you don't know your company voice, mm. you will after a year of doing social every day. Um, 
I, I think as far as the, the broader trends, uh, this has always been, been the issue, but it's getting heard. It's not just about making something. Mm-hmm. It's about who is going to see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube, their models are they want you to pay money to get more people to see your content. So that's always an option. You could pay for a broadcast commercial. You could pay for billboards. You could pay for ad buys on YouTube. But the thing that's always given the plant-based brands an advantage is the free advertising. Mm -hmm. It's people who are talking about your product on their own. And so I think we're moving very heavily in this direction. And I, I don't really think it's an original insight, but the influencer world, mm. um, and even more so the, the I don't I don't I don't know what the right words, but the micro influencers. Mm. Uh, and I uh, at at the uh, the athlete summit, we had a, a panel talking about reclaiming the word influencer. And I, I think we we've gotten in this mindset where an influencer is someone who has a million followers mm. and charges this amount of money to say something and. It feels very artificial, but I, I would challenge and say that an influencer is somebody who does something or says something that gets someone else to examine their behaviors. And so, yes, you could find someone with a huge audience who will influence a lot of people at once, but you could also find somebody who could influence just a few people and that could have a really big impact. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was... I'm friends with um, Harley Quinn Smith, and mm. she was talking to me about what it took to get her family to go vegan. And, and obviously she has this very big reach out in the broader world, but, mm. but on the very small level, her work influencing her family was what got them to change their dietary habits. It wasn't the outside world. Um, and so I, I think the, the, real, the real end game is going to be how do we support all these individual people mm. and saying, hey, dad, you should try this. Right. Or, you know, hey, I'm going to bring in you know, a veggie burger to work and everybody can see uh, what it's like. Uh, we talked about veggie grill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a lot of meat eating friends who I'll just I'll bring to veggie grill. Or um, A lot of our crew is not plant based and mm. we'll order a veggie grill on set. And they're like, oh, this is this is vegan. I didn't even know. And, <laughs> you know, and that. That times, however many other times it happens to them in their lives, yeah. is what gets them to change. And the downside of that is it takes a lot of work on the content side. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a continual conversation that you have to have and you also have to support. And people have to be, you know, the social teams can't just be one intern who's not empowered. Yeah. You know, it's the, the bigger, there's no such thing as too many people on your social representing you uh but the the plus side is those interactions don't have to be expensive yeah Um, especially when you have a product people want uh one thing we do a lot of is new product launches new restaurant launches and all you have to do is say hey who wants to come to this and Mm -hmm. try something new and you get all these amazing people who have really great passionate voices to come and now they're talking about your product Mm -hmm. and it's easy to devalue that because because it's so different but i i can't think of any other way of connecting that deeply to somebody than to say hey come over and eat a burger with me 
And so, you, I mean, what you're kind of describing is more almost like grassroots, like yeah. person to person, but doing it in a very strategic way where you're like everyone at the end of the day, whether you have, you know, 10 followers, but you, it doesn't matter how many followers you have, yeah. you know, how many people you know in your life. Yeah. If you can influence one other person, yeah. you can, you can, you can help the brand, you can help the creative movement. And, and that's really the, the power and the beauty of this space, really, that you can kind of be an activist just by virtue of what you eat and what you get other people to eat with you. Yeah. And that's kind of cool, isn't it? Yeah. There was a, an article in the economist recently about veganism and they said, I think like eight out of 10 people, nine out of 10 who try it fall away. Mm. And I think the reason they do that is because they don't have a community supporting them. Yeah. So the more we can do to build this community, yeah, uh, the stronger we'll be. And, you know, it's about acquiring new vegans, but even more so it's about supporting yeah. the existing vegans. And from a, from a marketing standpoint, you know, in all honesty, the plant-based brands are underfunded, mm -hmm. under-resourced. Uh, there's a lot of uphill battle. It's not just about trying this burger. It's about trying a slightly different way of looking at the world. Yeah. So we will never... Not never, but we, for a long time, won't be able to compete, yeah. uh, you know, slugging it out, punch for punch. Yeah. Uh, but we're a lot faster. Mm. We're a lot more nimble. And people connect to us on a way that a big brand will never do. So instead of trying to fight them on their battlefield, mm -hmm. staying in the social media world and using that as our, as our launch pad, as our home base, yeah. gives us this huge advantage that no amount of money can overcome. Yeah. I, like, I really feel like each company, and, and this is just, again, my, my opinion, my opinion, really, uh, I think brands in the space should... The problem, as you said, you know, they usually put an intern on social media and schedule some tweets and whatever, schedule some photos to go on Instagram. Um, because... You know, as I said, they're not in the business of, they think they're not in the business of social media. And I totally get why, because, you know, as you said, they're underfunded and they're pretty early on in their, their, their kind of arc of the growth of their companies, um, no matter even if they're well known within our space. Um, and I think a lot of these companies will, so I guess in some ways you've, you've you, yeah, you answered my question is that a lot of these companies have to, as the space gets more crowded, and as there's more competition and as bigger brands start trying to peddle products in the space claiming to be the same or better, uh, what's going to really help companies stand out is if they look and they really ask themselves, who are we? What's our voice? Like, I almost think of it as, I mean, as uh, someone who ran a, a media platform for years, is that's always what we would struggle with like, and try to make sure we were consistent with our voice. Yeah. Like, who, what's the personality of this brand? Yeah. But I think brands need personalities, even if you're selling uh, oat milk or, or yeah. burgers or whatever, right? So who is this brand? How is it going to connect with another person? How are you going to identify influencers who can reflect the same voice mm -hmm. and values where as an as a end user, you know, when you see an Instagram post from the brand or a YouTube video, you're, you're delighted. It's like seeing something from a friend of yours. Um, and I think that you know, work in the beginning is not really being done and hopefully will be done. Some brands are doing it better than others, mm -hmm. but to say, Hey, here's who we are. Here's what we stand, what we stand for. Here's how we're going to be fun and engaging. 
here's here's the kind of language you want to use to communicate with people and here's the community we want to build and and that's at the end of the day what's going to make them stand out in this super crowded competitive space yeah, yeah. and and i'd like to make a, a plug here for all my friends running social media these plant-based brands uh, you should all get paid a lot more because you are doing amazing work uh, it's content creation yeah. it's marketing it's sales and it's customer service mm. and it, you know the social media team hundreds and hundreds of times a day is speaking in the voice of the brand you know that's that's your front door um i i interact with brands through their socials you know that's that's when people show up and want to know about you that is where they go and yeah. so everybody pays attention on their physical front door everybody pays attention on their website but your social media teams mm-hmm. are the ones at the forefront and they're the ones who know what the customers want yeah you know they know oh these are the products that people engage with these are the ones they don't and so the old model was you have the marketing team up top and the information dribbles down to the social team but i think the future model is that the social team is a top and they're involved in every big campaign conversation because they're the ones who have the information and they're the ones who are going to do the execution. No, I think what she said is brilliant. That that just makes so much sense. They are they, they're a first line of communication with your end and customer at the end of the day. And the intelligence that they could have, the insights are probably getting lost. Instead, people are looking at social media reports and only looking at did our engagement grow, did our followers grow? Yeah, yeah you should look at all of that, but I think there's deeper insights you can learn from your customers uh, that can then translate into better marketing and other stuff. So you, I think you're 100% right on that. Um, I would definitely want to ask this quick question before we start to wind down, but um, what are you really excited about like in the space uh, in terms of products, companies? Uh, like what, what, when you look ahead, say, the next year or so, um, what's getting you fired up? Uh, I mean, you don't have to reveal things that you can't talk about publicly, but uh, at the same time, give us a general idea. <laughs> Yeah, so so I'm most excited about how how the the plant based movement is breaking out of what was a very small box initially, and um, I go to the food expos every year, and mm-hmm. um, a lot of our clients are working on some really groundbreaking things in the the sushi space, mm-hmm. um, in the burger space, uh, in, in the marshmallow space, like every it it. it boggles my mind um and i didn't realize until i really got into this world how many things have animal products in them um, and this is a ten thousand year old technology and we use it because we've always used it but it's ripe for destruction disruption yeah um, and i i look at plant-based as a tech movement more than anything else is that there's this very old inefficient way of doing things that is not good for our planets. It's not good for our body. It's not morally good. It's not good for our communities. And the only reason we do it is because it's propped up by Mm -hmm. a system of subsidies. And these are the companies coming in and they're saying, we can do this better. Mm. And if we don't do it better, we're in a lot of trouble. Um, I've I've seen studies that between 15 and 30% of our uh, global warming emissions are caused from animal mm-hmm. agriculture. Forty uh, percent of all land surface is used for animal agriculture. Uh, this is not 
sustainable. Yeah. Uh, but trying to get people to change their habits is very hard. Uh, but trying to get people to eat delicious food <laughs> is not hard. Mm -hmm. So, so this to me is a really great way of getting people to do something that they maybe weren't thinking of doing. Yeah. And coming back to working with kids, uh, sometimes you need to incentivize them. So I need you to eat food that has a better impact. Mm -hmm. To get you to do that, here's some really delicious ice cream. Here's some really delicious burgers. Mm. And look at all these cool people doing these cool things. Um, and I think a lot of the work that we do, and you talked about this earlier, is showing how cool this movement is. Yeah. We hosted a, a vegan prom for the Humane League that Moby came and DJed. Uh, we do a lot of events. We do a lot of... Uh, we did a, a cooking show uh, with stone chefs making weird, <laughs> weird plant-based dishes. Yeah. Uh, with the idea being that whatever you care about, the, the world will be better if you eat more plants. Yeah. And uh, I understand that a lot of people don't like the word vegan, um, you can use the word plant-based. Uh, I also think that reducitarian is great. Just mm -hmm. We're at an unsustainable place, so let's all move in the right direction, and we will make it as fun and as easy as possible to get there. Yeah. And so what, when you look ahead, you know, I ask this question of all my guests. Uh, we, this is how we close out the podcast. Um, I give the year 2050 because, like you rightfully pointed out, um, the studies say that if we continue depending on the food system that we have, currently we're not going to be a very good place in 2050 yeah. but because of the work that's being doing that's being done now by several of the brands and companies that are probably your clients the work that you're doing uh, and many others are doing in this space to to get people to change behaviors to get systems to change within the food industry we may have a shot of uh of of you know transforming the system from the inside out so when you look ahead you know 2050 32 years from now if you get it right, um, and we're part of this story of, of changing what was a destructive food system that had the potential to destroy this planet and take humanity with it, and instead we could be the ones that, that helped make it better, what kind of food system do you think we'll have in 2050? Uh, what kind of world do you think we'll have in 2050? Yeah, so, so I'm very, very confident that we're all going to be mostly plant-based in 2050. Uh, what I'm not confident about is how we're going to get there. Because there, there's two ways to do it, right? There's the food crisis, mass starvation, refugees trying to cross borders, mm. uh, bad version. Um, and then there's the, hey, this food tastes really great. Let's just eat that version. And so my my mission my, my company's mission, my team's mission is to make it the, the better version and to really help push to get there sooner and easier. And so we can all look back and say, oh, that was, that was silly that we, we ate like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I like to think looking back, um, you know, people used to light, light their houses with these oil lamps that would, you know, scorch the walls and, <laughs> You know, you'd have smoke inside your house and, and you look back and you're like, oh, that would be such an awful way to live. But, but that was the technology and that was how people were. And uh, we're going to look back on our food system and feel really, 
really silly about a lot of things. Yeah, I'm literally scorching the planet with our food choices right now. Um, but anyway, I'm with you. I agree. I think we're, we're I don't know exactly how we're going to get there, but 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 we ought to wake up every day and try. And I think that's what we are mm-hmm. doing. And, and that's what gets me excited as well. So, Asha, this has been a super fun conversation. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. You talked about a lot of stuff that I think a lot about, but don't get to talk to people about, uh, especially media and how that really plays a big role in in the story of, of what the future is going to be like over here. And, you know, everything's a story. And at the end of the day, what is this new story we're writing right now going to be? And, 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 you know, we get to write it. That's a cool yeah. part, right? We get to actually do that. So um, appreciate you being on the podcast. And I look forward to um, uh, learning more about what you're doing and getting involved and, and seeing how we can, you know, be part of this community to, to make this happen. Thank you. Um, and if I, could, if I could add one more thing, um, I'm working on a on a big project with a 12 year old activist Genesis Butler. Oh yeah, I know, I know of, of her. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and again, when I when I went vegetarian, it was the most stressful decision I'd ever made, and my mom cried because she was worried about me eating enough, and I didn't have a network, and I was like, thought about it for months, and and when Genesis was six, she went vegan because oh, I'm just gonna do it, and. I've met so many amazing young people like her for whom it wasn't a big deal. It was just the natural progression. And so this is their planet more than it's going to be our planet. And my request to all of the brands and influencers and people out there trying to make things better is let's really focus on supporting kids Mm. uh, because they are the ones who really understand this on an intrinsic level and you have to you have to teach people not to feel like that uh you know that every every child intrinsically you know wants to hug an animal and wants to love the planet and it takes years and years of telling them to ignore it to Mm. get them to where where a lot of us are today so so really supporting them and helping to nourish a generation that cares about these things and from a brand perspective, conscious people will buy conscious products. Yeah. And from a planet perspective, uh, our chances are a lot better if we get them on board. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I love that. So uh, thanks, Asher, again. And Thank uh, thanks for being on today. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Nil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about how Eat for the Planet can help your brand or organization develop the right strategy, implement scalable operations, and grow responsibly, visit EFTP.co. That's EFTP.co. Let's rise up to the challenge of transforming our food system. Thank you for listening. The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. 
and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.